today we learn all about Bowen Dwell. He's a founder, an entrepreneur. He, he, he does athletics. He's even starting a new podcast, but we're going to hear all about it right now. Bowen, thank you so much for coming. You know, I have a lot of guests in the studio, and everybody's from some other profession. They're an artist, an architect, a gallery owner, but you do so many things. Would you please indulge and explain all the things that you do? Sure, sure. Yeah, good question. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a two, double-edged sword, right? Because uh-huh. I've always... Um, I was not one of those people that knew, you know, what I wanted to be when I was a kid. And of course that gives you a huge degree of freedom, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, but you know, it's also kind of, kind of troubling growing up or, you know, it makes it a bit more difficult. Who am I? Who am right. I? Um, so I, I still, that's, that's still part of the, the challenge of my life, I suppose. But I've, uh, I've been a number of different things. Um, I think primarily, I, I would, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. That is, I'm someone who works for myself, mm-hmm. you know, first of all, and, and I'm very comfortable being self-directed. Um, you know, this term entrepreneur in the Bay Area, you know, kind of means something a little bit different here than it means in the broader world. I right. find people here tend to think that they make a direct association with, you know, with tech and software and startups mm-hmm. and, and, and that whole world. Um, I think of it more broadly. I know entrepreneurs all over the world, and you know, and it really just means someone who, you know, has started their own business and, um, you know, has the, the passion and direction to, to, uh, you know, w- work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's first of all. Um, these days, I'm also a bit of an athlete. Um, I've just been kind of learning, you know, what it, what that means. You know, what what it means to be an athlete. I never thought of myself that way prior to perhaps you know, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I started actually training for some specific things and also working a bit as an athlete, um, yeah, it's come to be true to some extent. Yeah. Um, and, yeah and you've always things. been an athlete or done sports or in this is just a new amplification of athletics or. Yeah, I would say that is definitely true. Um, I never considered myself an athlete in the past I was just you know someone who grew up doing lots of different stuff my parents were um they were outdoorsy people Mm -hmm. uh and uh they you know took uh brought me along a lot of outdoor adventures uh, from a very young age so I learned to you know go backpacking and rock climbing and sailing and things like that and so that that certainly got in my blood Mm -hmm. I also grew up right here in San Francisco and I, you know, started riding my skateboard around town at a very young age, and so you know, I was a skateboarder. But yeah. none of those things ever led me to think of myself as an athlete. They were just things that you know, things that I did, things mm-hmm. that I did a lot. Um, it was really only much later in life, in my forties, when again, like I started pursuing some some specific goals. Uh-huh. Um, for example, you know, I got the idea that I wanted to swim the Golden Gate. Oh yeah, um, you know, which is of course one of our iconic landmarks here in San Francisco, and something that 
I have a real personal attachment from, to. From where to where? Uh, from south to north or yeah. north to south. Texas. With a group of people? Or yeah. Was, that was a race recently? Uh, not, not a race. race. It's, I mean, something that, that people who swim here in the Bay do all the time. It's right. really not that big of a deal as right. a swim. I mean, it's not, you know, nothing, but it's not right. a massive It's swim. a mere, what, mile and a half? Yeah. Right. And how do you track? Is there like an app you get on earlier to see which tanker's coming through? <laughs> <laughs> actually there is it's pretty cool um these days uh, but you don't have to really worry about that if you do it with a, like an organized group right they, they, they look out and they're like that's yeah. about and they they talk to the coast guard and you know that sort of thing um but um it's an amazing thing to do i don't know if you'd swim at all but um, uh, surf, a little, surf a little bit but no, I, I don't i don't i should huh yeah it's one of those swims that's like you know, it's one of those things, actually. It's a great example of something that people who don't, you know, swim and don't swim in the bay or don't swim in open mm-hmm. water, you know, they're just like, oh, my God, I could never imagine doing mm-hmm. that. I could never swim in the, you know, the cold water of the bay with the ships and the, all yeah. this stuff. And, you know, really anybody could swim the Golden Gate with a little bit of practice. So there's the Dolphin Club, right? Yeah. And two they... Clubs. Two clubs. Right? What? Yeah, if you mention Dolphin, you got to mention the South End Rowing Club. Okay. And they're side by side. They were both founded within, I don't know, a couple of years or of each other. So yeah. Both San Francisco Are you part of one of them? The South End. And then do you wear the suit or not wear the suit when you go? The, well, the, the, what kind of suit? You mean I don't know. <laughs> this, this is the question. I've got, I've got friends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll swim it. Uh-huh. But I know people who do. <laughs> yeah. So isn't that the, the test? Like, are you going to do the Alcatraz swim uh-huh. with the suit or without the suit? Yeah, that is one of the questions. I see. Yeah, right. So you, you've, you've heard people talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer to swim without a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in the bay doing other things, I, you know, yeah, you wear a wetsuit. But mm-hmm. swimming, I don't know. It's, I mean, the cold water is, it's like, it's one of, another one of those things. It's not pleasant, but then. You get it, rolling. It feels really good in a way once you get used to it a little mm-hmm. bit, and especially afterwards. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very it's a small and kind of subtle example. Have you, have you heard this expression "type two fun"? No, I've never heard that. Yeah, type two fun is like is the kind of fun that's only fun afterwards. Uh-huh. It's not really that fun while you're doing it. It's kind of painful or something like that. But like afterwards, that. You, you feel amazing or you have a great story. And type one fun would be. It's just fun. It's just you know, it's, it's fun. fun. Type three. I don't know. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> it's only two types, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like the like there's two types of you know this joke. Yeah. I'm sure you know this. There's two types of people in this world mm-hmm. those that know the binary code and those that don't yeah. oh sorry i messed it up <laughs> 10 types of people in the world yeah right 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 One's it's both. space two yeah we can definitely cut that out robbie uh, jokes <laughs> i think type three fun is like it's just not fun at all actually it's supposed to be fun but it's not <laughs> someone else tells you it's fun it's good it's not yeah uh, and so outdoor, I was kind of writing mm-hmm. a note. Yeah. I was going to say outdoorsman or out, outdoor mm-hmm. athletic yeah. man. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you're just more athlete, do you feel? Actually, that's a great question. You know, the, of course, all, you know, language is very interesting. You mm-hmm. know, words acquire lives of their own, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm not really that attached to the term athlete and and i think and actually i was talking about this at, at the at this uh, event that i hosted at the battery oh, at the, the battery yeah the other night yeah um 
and I was talking about that with some people who certainly do consider themselves athletes. Um, but the part of the whole premise of that, that talk, um, was to, you know, show that, or, or to break down that line, right? If I call myself an athlete or, you know, someone does, it's like often we get the idea that, okay, this person's an athlete and I'm not. So, you know, mm. it's, there's a difference, you know, mm. and they've got some special skill or passion or dedication which is true, okay, fair enough, but um, I think it creates, you know, it's cre- just like saying artist, you know, oh, that person's an artist, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not an artist. Well, come on, you know, we all have creative. We're all artists. Yeah, exactly, right, to some, you know, some degree, and so yeah. we're all athletes, right, mm-hmm. to some yeah. degree. Um, and so, yeah, when I talk about what I, the kind of stuff I do, I still think of it more in terms of, like, as I did when I was 10 or 12 years old, which is like being active in the outdoors yeah um more than necessarily being an athlete or competing for example and so you're interested in knowing how being active outdoors affects how we think how we live and who we are i grabbed that i think from your website yeah absolutely so is that the kind of conversations that you're starting to put put together for uh, your podcast yeah yeah definitely um I think that being active outdoors is one of the most profound uh, ways, things, you know, ways that we live, parts of how we live, and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, affects us very powerfully. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are many other things that do as well. Um, but it, 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 you know, I would be the, the, not the first and, you know, not the last to say that it's one of the things that many of us, you know, living the way we do these days have lost touch with um, or, you know, do less often as mm-hmm. we, you know, we put a lot more energy into our work and into, yeah. you know, kind of virtual things and aesthetic things and business and, you know, all these other things, mm-hmm. right? The life of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, there's, uh, you know, for me, it's been hugely valuable uh, throughout my life, uh, but uh, even more so in in more recent years to, you know, both to rediscover that and to dig into it further and really study uh, in a way how being active in the outdoors. And there's, there's, you know, the two pieces of that. It's being active, right? You could say active, you know, athletic, physical, yeah. and in the outdoors, in, in nature, really. And those two mm-hmm. things together, a very powerful combination. And so I was saying, you know, t- to what I'm doing a lot these days is studying essentially myself and, and, and other people, you know, how, how that affects them. Uh, yeah. Like how we think. Mm -hmm. And I, I can, I'm I'm sitting here considering what I think about sometimes when I am doing athletics, if Uh I'm doing a, a long hike or, you know, at times a run or a bike ride and, I'm going to put out some of the things I think yeah, about, and you can say yes or no. You're the resident expert. But my mind wanders, and like, what am I going to, what conversation do I need to have? Or how did mm-hmm. that conversation go? Or what am I supposed to be doing on Monday morning? Or mm-hmm. it's kind of, or sometimes I don't know what I'm thinking. It's a meditative state. Right. You know, what do you consider valuable um, mind speak during these athletic mm-hmm. times? Another one of those things, right, where we often, <clears throat> we, when we hear 
people who are, let's say, very high uh, performing athletes, you know, we to hear them talk about their mental state and, oh. you know, how they're, they, they uh, <clears throat> you know, the state of extreme focus and mm-hmm. you know, these kind of very intense states of mind. Um, that's, that's part of it. What do those look like? I, I haven't even read anything about that personally. <clears throat> well, um, that's not really, yeah, I mean, the focus of, you know, where, where, what I'm thinking. But I think there's uh-huh. a lot of sports psychology, and, okay. you know, people who are really training to be competitive at the highest level, right? right? I'm more interested in the more the sort of everyday experience, mm-hmm. right, of <clears throat> um, how being, again, active outside um, trains our minds um, by way of, well, how our, how our bodies work, right? I mean, just using our bodies, being physical, right, mm-hmm. first of all, is something that, again, a lot of us just don't do that much, right, in our modern lives. You know, we, we kind of sit at work at a computer all day. We're not really using our bodies very much at all. Mm-hmm. And so that in itself, um, just using your body, right, on a regular basis, um, <clears throat> the, the, the connection is that as you get better at doing something physically, right? Just simply as your body gets better at doing something physically without having to think about it because you don't really have to think about it. Just, you just get better. If you run, you get, you get better at running, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're, what I've seen and what I hear a lot from people I talk to is that you know, essentially your mind sees that happening, right? Yeah. Sees that happening and recognizes that for what it is which is essentially intuition right and mm-hmm. gains at least again you know for me and 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 for others that's a way to gain more confidence and in, in 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 your intuitive thought processes got it as opposed to a, right you know sitting there trying to solve the problem uh kind of thought right. process um hmm and yeah, like a really neat lesson between your body and your mind uh, exactly. strengthens that that confidence and decision making when you just have to use your mind. Yeah, exactly right. It 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 carries back over to the purely mental process because yeah. your mind kind of remembers like, well, hey, geez, you know, I've seen myself getting better at running or whatever it is mm-hmm. without having to think about it. And there's really this physical that metaphor of like. Well, I made that leap so mm-hmm. I can make these other leaps more easily. Mm-hmm. Right? So it Definitely. sounds like you're kind of getting it. It's, it's a I little am bit, getting it, it. That's cool. Yeah, right on. It's, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's a bit of a, a, a leap, to, I think, to, you know, to understand. But, but, but it I, sounds like it makes sense. Yeah, it, make, it does make sense. I mean, I talked to my wife just about something the other day. And we were, you know, saying, well, who makes... Who learns more, the teacher or the student? Mm-hmm. If you learn something and then you try to regurgitate it to somebody else, like as a, you know, you're trying to teach them what you just learned, but in the process, you've now learned it twice. Right. So the teacher learns more. Absolutely, yeah. So that's kind mm-hmm. of another a deepening of lear- a, lear- uh, a learned uh, skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's what, but done through body and mind. Yeah, that's got to be deeper as well because it's your own body and mind. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. So, so, so you know, in in that was a lengthy sort of explanation, perhaps, of what I see as the connection between 
you know, being active outdoors and intuition, essentially stronger intuition. Um, because I mean, again, like who really wants to make decisions all the time, right? We feel better when we come to a decision or a path intuitively, right? We say, well, mm-hmm. you know, use your gut, right? I mean, right. that's how you're going to come to the really the best answer yeah. often. Um, but how do we, how do you get better at that? Right. We yeah, just, yeah. We, you know, we don't really know how to get better at that. And so for me, it's been a key way to get better at that. And then from there, you know, a lot of people say uh, or have said that, you know, intuition, where does creativity come from? Intuition, mm. right? Okay. The spark of creativity, right? That thing that allows you to, you know. Oh, yeah. oh you, I like this idea. Right. I mean, you're okay. a designer. So yeah. when you get a new client, you know, where do you start? Uh, right? Well, it's a spark of intuition, right? And then that you know, leads to the kind of the, the flowering of creativity. Mm. So stronger intuition can be great fuel for a more creative life. That's awesome. So here's the connection then between really the unexpected connection between athleticism and creativity. Right. I like that. That's cool. Um, you want to talk about your podcast and when you're going to uh, start releasing those you talked about having sort of an album or a series and you have a name for the podcast yeah name that's a great question let's <laughs> let's work on that <laughs> let's work on that i don't have a name actually i mean i've i've been you know i would love to have a name first i have some names but i guess i don't have one that i you know love yet mm-hmm. um that's um mm-hmm. You know, what's yours called? Is it your, it's your name? Oh, it's epic. <laughs> uh, really super creative. Yeah. Jeff Schlarb. See, there you go. I mean, you got a great name. I've, uh, I've got a unique name. Yeah. I Perhaps it'll be the Bowen Dwelling Podcast. I don't know. Um, so the name aside, um, my method is um, that I want to put together a, a, you know, a package, a season, really. It's often called, right, in, this, right. in the world of, of podcasting. Um, and so I'm in the process of recording interviews and doing, you know, other work on the, on the concept as I, Mm. as I do that. And you will be interviewing entrepreneurs, athletes, um, you know, who else? Yeah. I'm uh, athletic entrepreneurs, athletic entrepreneurs. (laughs) Um, I've started with, I've started with athletes. Uh-huh. Um, because I, you know, I, I feel like there's this kind of untold story there. You know, often when people speak to athletes or they're introduced to someone as an athlete, you know, you know, the conversation is just is in a pretty small box. Yeah, right. It's about the sport. Right. That's it. I have a friend who has a, a podcast, although I don't think in the same topic what you're diving into. Mm-hmm. But he was sharing with me that their sort of program through high school, top producing athletes, you know, through high school, college, and then as pros, they kind of have a staple answers to everything. And they stay within a, that box, I think yeah. you just made, because that's what, that's how it's done, or that's how the coaches talk. Well, well, yeah. it was a great game, and the other team put up a great effort, and right. we really just appreciate the opportunity to play against them. We've In the end, those. today we came out victorious, but it could have gone the other way. Right. We just appreciate the opportunity. I just got there and swing the bat, and you yeah. know we hope we put the bat on the ball. We've all heard those cliches. I know yeah. exactly what you mean, and um, unf- yeah, I think it's unfortunate, you know. And and I think, well, I've heard the same from 
I mean, the athletes and the sports that I'm interested in are, you know, more sort of individual outdoor sports. But I, I often hear the same thing happen in that, you know, someone's introduced as, um, you know, my friend Simon Dominguez, for example, who's a world class uh, marathon open water swimmer. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, can s- go swim 20 miles, wow. you know, in cold water. Um you know he's gonna have a different story well you know someone like that right and and it's like okay you're introduced to him that way and you're gonna ask him questions about swimming in cold water and you know this sort of thing but if if you didn't hear if you weren't introduced to him that way you'd have a completely different conversation with him right right so um point being i think there's there's a lot of untold stories in talking with athletes Mm -hmm. and talking with them in kind of a different way Mm -hmm. um uh, also part of this conversation yeah that was part of my goal with this uh, session that i did the battery you know on monday uh, mm-hmm. this week um you know showing some of the other facets of of, of the athletic the athlete's mind really mm-hmm. um so i've started with athletes um certainly also interested i mean i would love to speak with or interview some you know some artists and creative people that think of themselves, you know, firstly in that dimension, but who are also, you know, physical people as well, mm-hmm. for sure. Maybe yeah. if I get some uh, pumping of iron and I could qualify. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, let's get me on a circuit or a, some sort of training system. The solo flex count for like a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, once you, you know, start training to swim the Golden Gate, man, you're... Yeah, I'm pretty active. Yeah. Alternative active. Like I run up this everywhere I go, I run I'm like Forrest Gump. <laughs> that awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see. You um, you travel. Oh no! Here's a, here's a your, your tagline on your website is always ready. Mm. What does that mean to you? Hey, yeah, great question. Um, always ready uh, to me means you know what they say is luck. Is a combination of, it's not my quote, so it's, you know, it's being ready. Really. Uh-huh. Luck Preparation, preparedness. Uh, right. It's really oh. about preparedness mm-hmm. and saying yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so, you know, so how do you, how do you be, I mean, you know, you want to be, I want to be always re- as ready as I can be. That's cool. Um, yeah. And at the same time, if, you know, you dig at that a little bit, it it kind of means, it, what it means is being just ready enough, right? You're not being over-prepared. It's not like focusing your life on, you know, Something that kind may of may neurotically, not like, like crossing, you know, yeah. dotting every I and, you know, being that ready. It's really kind of an 80% thing, right? So if, right. You're, if you're 80% ready, you're always ready. Right. <laughs> and then you're going to have more good luck because you're going to be able to say t- yes to more opportunities. Right. That's cool. Yeah, and you seem to travel a lot. What are some of the, the favorite places you've traveled to? Um, well, <clears throat> yeah, and, and and it's connected to that always ready, right? Because you know mm-hmm. you, you get to travel more, perhaps if you're you know you're able to say yes to more opportunities. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite places is is Brazil. Uh, I'll be going there again this year. Yeah, before the year is out. Um, to uh, to lead a long distance kite surfing trip there, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know the reason I'm able to do that is because I was able to say yes to a 
you know, to an opportunity there a few years ago that led to <clears throat> friendships and connections there. What is that? It's, um, hmm. it's a, a long distance kite trip, December 10th through 16th, like you said, in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, and you're, a lot of people are going to be experiencing things firsthand. How many people are, are you leading? Yeah. Uh, usually, you know, it's a, you have to do these things in relatively small groups, you know, mm -hmm. so eight, 10, 12 people is about the right size. Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard to keep a larger group than that together on the who, water. Who are the guests and are they, is it a private group or? Um, it's, uh, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's something that people can sign up for, you know, I mean, they would be experienced, uh, kite surfers. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a part of the world, a very unique part of the world, the, uh, Northern coast of Brazil, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> because it's um it's warm <laughs> and uh -huh. beautiful yes. and um and it's exposed to the the trade winds that come from the east to the west right and so for at least the second half of the year kind of july through de december it's really an ideal place for wind sports are you doing foiling yeah totally is that so much easier on the body and easier in general once you get it Yes. Well, it's definitely, yeah, in, in a way it's both. Yeah. It is easier on the body once you get it because at first, you know, you're going to fall a fair bit and yeah. um, you're falling from, you know, a meter off the water and at the up, yeah. speed of, you know, 20 plus miles an hour. That so. looks sick. Yeah. You, you get banged up a little bit learning, but once you learn, then you're floating, flying, God. you know, above the surface of the water. You're not feeling all the, do you only foil now? Um, 80 to 90% of, yeah, probably of my kiting well, is fun. What will be days. the conditions where you're like, no, I'm going to actually go more traditional and just be on, what, what do you call it? What's yeah, the, it's a great old school, trying to find the words. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Flatboarding. Yeah. So we, well, I would be riding a surfboard if I wasn't riding a foil, uh -huh. a hydrofoil. Um, but um, it's kind of like... One of the, yeah, one of the, we sometimes call it pushing water because, you know, like you're, yeah, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of pushing when you're not, uh, when you're not flying. Mm -hmm. So if they're good waves, right? Mm -hmm. If they're really actually nice quality, well shaped mm -hmm. waves to go ride, then yeah. Right? What's the surfer, uh, Hamilton? Laird Hamilton. Laird Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Was he the first person to put into, uh, really start using the foil? On the surfboard? Uh, he was one of, yeah. I don't, I don't know, you know, if he was the first, but definitely he was, he was a pioneer uh, in the development of, of that and, uh, and remains certainly a pioneer. What about with kite surfing? Like, who, who put that? Um, you know, there in were the... people in, yeah, again, you know, I'm not sure who the first person was to really mm. try foiling because there was probably, there was some experimentation that was going on, you know, it's 10 plus years ago mm -hmm. um you know laird may have played around with it who knows um but it it really started the modern era of of foiling and not just in kite surfing but also mm -hmm. for sailing and mm -hmm. you know other wind mm -hmm. sports began about four years ago in a big broke out in a big way with the when the america's cup was here in san francisco yeah yeah um, that was that was cool to watch yeah and so the competitive uh kite racing scene at that time essentially shifted to using hydrofoils. And so that's when a lot of us started, you know, saw them, got them, started riding them, et cetera. Um, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, I'll definitely that do that. That looks cool. It is. There you um, go. Another so, thing. Another thing for you to do. I know, right? It's amazing. Two. <laughs> Have you ever seen us out there on the bay? You come. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, um, I don't know where I was, but yeah, I see him. I'm you know, walking along Christie Field, right. and just being like, "That is killer." Actually, I, uh-huh. yeah, I go down the pier past the Golden Gate yeah. Yacht Club. Yeah, I walk down there with my daughter sometimes, all the way uh-huh. to the Wave Organs. Totally, yeah. And then that's kind of where I saw them last. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, um, that's where you'll you'll see us out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you started your first business um, at nine. I'm going to move into the entrepreneurial awesome. phase of the uh, podcast. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this that's this section. Yeah, cool. Although we could move back, who knows? Yeah, yeah. But, they, but they, yeah, they, what they was your nine year old self doing for business? Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it was awesome. Um, <clears throat> when I was growing up at that age. Uh, a lot of us kids were into playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know yeah, what that is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you ever played no, D and D? No, D and D. You haven't. This is like this is the third thing, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> we're making a list. I've got a new client that's totally into D and D. Maybe this is really. Like a Can we do it together, like a warm up session? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I've got a twenty sided die here. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I always carry one. I often do. Always be ready. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, I mean, D and D is amazing, and um, it was certainly for a you know for as a creative way, creative form of creative play. Um, It was really uh, it's a great thing to do. Um, And me and my friend Zach noticed. Well, what happened was. You know, you have all the other stuff. Like, the, you need books and you need, you know, maybe a little whatever, figurines and things, but the dice, right? Mm-hmm. And the dice are actually really interesting as objects, right? Oh. You're an appreciator of, of, you know, physical form. And, man, they're all different colors and sizes and shapes. And, you know, kids love these dice, right? And so <clears throat> among... You know, the other things that you, anyway, we so we realized that we could, you know, essentially sell dice and then also the books and the other stuff that you need to play the game to the other kids at school, right? And and in you know, so we called up the distributor of you know, D and D, I think it's called TSR Games, and we asked to become a you know, a distributor or, uh, and uh, or a wholesaler, and we got went down to City Hall and got a business license, and yeah, that's cool, you know, opened up a who business. Would, yeah, I had like a mom and dad that said you have to start this way and you get a call and get a, see if you get a wholesale account. Yeah, yeah. My, I mean, my dad was also, uh, you know, self-employed, yeah. entrepreneurial type. Yeah, so. like, ah, just go. It's like fifteen dollars to get yourself a yeah. business license. Yeah, he he took us down there. Yeah. I remember we went to you know in the basement of City Hall and they you know they give you this little slip you put it on your wall and yeah you're in business and then in those days it was like you know you go to the office supply store and get a little you know, like little pad, little order pad. Oh yeah. You know, with like a carbon yeah. thing built in yes, and yes. take over an order and all you way you go. So right. I think we made, you know, two or three hundred dollars. Jeez, man, you killing know, it. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> well the age of nine is pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, no, hundred percent. Um the uh your specialty was the die. Yeah, the, well, all the yeah, the, all the dice. That's right? where the passion came from. Well, because you know the kids, especially the girls, loved you know, it just seemed, but actually everybody, you know, loved all these dice. So mm-hmm. like, you know, again, you've got all the different colors that come in different shapes, four sided, six sided, eight sided, 12 sided, 10 sided, 20 sided, you know. Jeez. Yeah. 
Um, and then, <laughs> and then you had, uh, you worked with a mm-hmm. fantastic company. You were the, the founder and CEO of Ad Monsters before mm. you sold it in 2015. Yes. So it's been working out for you since you started that dye company. <laughs> <laughs> How's that working for you? That's where I'm working. But uh-huh. it was, um, you served the world of online media. Mm-hmm. And how did you get into that? Do you care to share? <clears throat> yeah, sure. I, you know, I, um, along with Dungeons and Dragons, yes. right, and skateboarding and, you know, whatever else I was doing at a young age, um, there were, there were computers in the house, you know, like a lot of us, you know, in this era, even then, you know, grew up with computers. And um, so I, I had that kind of in my blood, too. And so mm-hmm. I had, you know, beginning of my 20s, a career in software um, before before the Internet, you know, be, even really became, you know, existed and before it became big. And um, in the, well, in 96, um, I took a job here in San Francisco uh, with Wired Magazine, mm-hmm. um, and with well, actually with the what was called Hot Wired, which is the digital side yeah. of the wire, of the business that Lewis and Jane started uh-huh. <clears throat> around the concept for Wired. Right. Um, and that you know their goal with that was to have you know a magazine that covered the digital revolution and an online media business that was part of the digital revolution, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I learned there, wired about online media, about really media, you know, media business in general and about online media. Um, and um, as I often do, I mean, I, you know, so I was working for, working for this company, you know, it was a fantastic company, a very, very interesting group of people. Um, but I had, as always, this inclination to, you know, to, to be independent, really. Um, and I, um, I, I found, I went to a few conferences, is what happened. Um, and, you know, you've probably been to a bunch of conferences. Um, it's usually not a great experience. Sometimes it's, you know, it's okay. I don't know. I went to a few conferences that were just terrible. Right. They were awful. Uh, I mean, they, what was the topic? Well, it's going to be a tech conference or yeah, a, I mean, a it was, tech media conference. It was more, they were more specific. It right. was like online media technology, yeah. you know, like how do you, you know, kind of the guts of this kind of business like Hotwired yeah. and Wired was. Like how do you make money, you know, trying to do, be a media business online, yeah. which is still a challenge, mm-hmm. right? And the, the simplest form of the answer there is advertising essentially, just like it is for magazines basically, mm-hmm. right? How do you, you know, in general make money as a website while well, you try to sell advertising, mm-hmm. which, you know, at the end of the day actually is a pretty shitty answer because, you know, advertising is not usually not that pretty, not that fun, not doesn't add to, you know, the original mission of whatever it is that you're trying to talk about, mm-hmm. et cetera, uh, can be intrusive, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. Um, but that certainly at that time, you know, was, you know, the focus of, it was like, well, how do we, you know, make money as a media business? So I mm-hmm. went to some conferences um, about these subjects. They were terrible. They were like really, literally depressing, just so bad. Uh, and somehow I got the idea that, you know, I could do better. So I started a conference. Um, oh, yeah. Right. And people started coming to it and, you know, they liked it and they just kept asking me, well, when's the next one going to be? And, 
you know, as many businesses, you know, how many businesses start, right? You right. start something that without necessarily a real plan yeah. and something emerges. And, uh, and so that's... You pivot yeah. if you have to and then right. make it better. Exactly. Passionate about it. Yeah. I was just at a conference, which I would uh-huh. say was pretty good. It was oh, good. interior design mm-hmm. centric. And, but, you know, there's levels of enthusiasm from, coming from the speakers yeah. uh, that vary. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. what were some of the things that you changed to make it maybe more enthusiastic or more enlightening? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good question. Um, I think, uh, well, there's three things, you know, actually, if I think back, you know, focus, quality, community. Those are the three things that when I kind of boil it down mm-hmm. um, that differentiated how, how what I think makes a great conference, what I think makes a great professional community um so focus so relatively specific focus um and what that meant is that you know everybody in the room was not just let's say an interior designer but you know they did you know a high-end residential residential. yeah yeah. so that you know when you walk in the room Mm -hmm. you don't have to explain yourself or say oh well what's your you know oh okay well i'm not you know we're not the trade language is yeah we walk in the other words you you just know that everyone's a peer yeah right so there's Mm -hmm. there's no waste of time it also greatly increases the the level of trust because you know you all do the same thing Mm -hmm. um so focus Mm -hmm. um quality um just like you know conferences like a magazine um it's, you know, it's, it's all about the content, first of all, what's in it, right? So if what's in it is shit, you know, how do you expect people to be very enthusiastic, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard not to just kind of fill it up with what you can right. or what you have or what you can get because, you know, it's, it's a lot of work to get qualified people. Exactly. Yeah. At Ad Monsters was, uh, were you doing some of the presentations? Or was so, it some, only but peers? Not, yeah, it was really all peers. So that was uh-huh. that was the big another big piece of it, in that all of the or the vast majority of the the content, so to speak, the sessions, you know, that sort of thing. It wasn't me trying to you know being up there trying to tell people right. X, Y, and Z. Neither was it you know paid experts or you know people who kind of make a living speaking or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It was really almost more of an academic model where it was you know peer all peers, mm-hmm. right. And what years to until 2015? Uh, when did I start it? Yeah. Well, it's a long and winding road. So, I, I mean, the very first one of those conferences was actually in 1999. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the business went through some different shapes and sizes. Um, and, um, but was through, you know, from in the, you know, the sort of 2000s and, and up until I sold it was, yeah. uh, we were here in the U.S. and in Europe and some other parts of the world as well. Um, I had an office in London for many years and cool. a little office in New York and, um, and uh, yeah. So it sounds like a nice path. It sounds really fun. Yeah. In a, yeah. Good, in a good run. Like it sounds, uh-huh. you know, 15 years, uh, 10 to 15 years uh, is, a, is a great run for any business and, you know. And then it goes on. Well, it goes on. You know, it's it's the the conference is I is doing well. I'm very happy not to be involved anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, well, on the quality question, yeah. So you can get all these peers that are super talented. Yeah. Um, how did you control maybe 
uh, how, how their presentation would go. Maybe you would see mm-hmm. a script beforehand, but you don't know if they yeah. had enough coffee or too much coffee before they totally. went on. Are they shy? Do they yeah. speak in front of people? Are they yeah. capable of performing? Mm-hmm. And that would... Yeah, no, it's a good point. I, um, most people are not, you know, most people are not uh, natural speakers, mm-hmm. um, let alone performers, you know, whatever. Um, and so, we, you know, we didn't call, we weren't trying to call upon them to, to perform uh-huh. uh, necessarily in that capacity. What, <clears throat> you know, we would ask is, hey, what are you working on? What's like, what's, what's a challenge? What's something you're trying to solve? or something that you have kind of just solved, um, you know, or what's interesting to you. And, you know, can you come up with, you know, an outline or, you know, some bullet points? And then we would coach them a bit. um, And the goal would be to kind of facilitate a conversation as opposed to just presenting a bunch of information. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that in my experience, creates a lot more engagement because if you have someone up there who comes in and says, okay, look, I'm the expert on, you know, porcelain, ceramic, you know, (laughs) whatever, uh, and they just tell you all their stuff and they've, you know, they've highly polished and prepared and et cetera. Well, you you know, you, it's not, it's, that's not a conversation. It's a one-way thing. It's a Mm -hmm. delivery of information, right? And often Mm -hmm. it is a bit of a show. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you come in and say, hey, look, I just got this new client. Uh, you know, I've never had a project of this scope before. Or they've asked me for something, you know, I'm, that's really interesting, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. Um, you know, hey, let's talk about it. You know, yeah. you help me, I'll help you. Well, so maybe even in the presentation. Yeah. The, the presenter is saying, hold your hand up if you've solved this problem before. How'd you do it? Yeah. They're doing that. Exactly. So, yeah. I can see how it'd be much more engaging. Yeah. Well, um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to. I had another data point I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. You you believe in the philosophy of a world with fewer cars. Mm. So I I don't know if you've ever been to Zermatt, Switzerland. Mm. It's on the Matterhorn. I have not. I've probably not been to Zermatt, but I've been many other places in Europe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. They, they when I was like 15 years old, they had. Um, they had electric cars there only. It's a small oh. valley. You take a train mm-hmm. up to it, and then it would just be electric cars where people were walking. It's pretty consolidated. Yeah. And uh, actually, hindsight, they're really golf carts. They weren't really electric right. cars. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not talking about electric cars. Yeah. You're talking about fewer cars. And why are you passionate about that? Yeah, good, good point. Something I haven't thought about as much lately. Um, but... Um, I I would say, you know, I would say for two reasons. One, it's just, you know, it's more interesting to get around uh, on foot or by bicycle, right? Yeah. You see more. Yeah. Um, it's quieter, it's cleaner, yeah. it's healthier, um, more fun. Um, and, and then from, you know, kind of a macro point of view, right, they're, they're you know, technological forces at work, right, that are going to free us from the, you know, the automobile age, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we all kind of grew up, or at least, you know, people in my, you know, my generation grew up, like, assuming, you know, you get a, you're going to get a license, you get a car, you drive, drive, you drive a lot, yes. you drive, <laughs> how are you going to get there? You drive, you yeah. know, like, in my car, yeah. of course, you know, which I still do quite a lot, um, but, 
you know, people are growing up now actually are not, they're not, mm. they're not driving. They're, you know, they're maybe still getting around by car or, you know, they're using Uber or that sort of thing, but it's not a given that they're going to get a license or even ever learn to drive. Uh -huh. um, and of course, yeah, with electric cars and self-driving cars and other things, we're, we're going to, I think that we'll have fewer cars on the road one way or another. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, you're seeing some, you, know, you see examples of that coming out in the urban design and planning here in San Francisco, right? You see, um, there's been a great proliferation of bike lanes and bike routes around the city in the last 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. You see a lot more bicycles on the street. Um, you probably are aware of that um, uh, parking, what do they call it? Free parking, park, the parklets, right? These little yeah. things that have popped They're up. taking over parking spots right and that started out as an art project uh -huh. of someone said well with all these parking spaces we should make the, some of them into parks right <laughs> <laughs> so it was right. kind of a guerrilla gardening four or five years ago yeah it was like that yeah, was probably 10 or was you know plus years ago like, it's park yeah and that led to the like the official development of this whole parklet program so um mm. yeah well, we didn't even get to get, we, we're, we, if you believe it or not, we've spent 45 minutes um, in engaging conversation, and we didn't even get to talk about your interest in geography and the shape of the natural world, which I thought was cool, uh, urban planning and urban design, architecture of cities, all these things you studied a long time ago. Mm. Uh, but so that just means another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we touched on a lot of those things. You, you know, as as they're they're all interwoven, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, I think the as a whether you think about it from a point of view of you know a geographer or an athlete or you know a designer or a planner or a traveler, uh, you know the the shape of the world, right? Whether it's the built environment or the natural environment is endlessly fascinating mm -hmm. and has and, and as just as we've um done so much with the environment you know the human environment that we build right there's 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 an infinity to learn from in the natural world mm -hmm. and that's that's really the probably at the core of you know what i'm most interested in that is days. cool that is true i see how that ties up well, i've got one last question for you then awesome. i try to ask everybody and that is what is your favorite room in your house and why? Man, I thought you were going to ask what my favorite flavor of ice cream is. <laughs> <laughs> favorite room in my house? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that it's um, the... Um, it's kind of it's like the TV room. <laughs> we don't watch a lot of TV, mm -hmm. um, but... Well, I don't know. I'm just saying that because it came to mind, you know, because, it, you know, it's great to have a separate room that you can go to once in a while. You uh -huh. know, it's like the den. It's the, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, and you, if you want to watch TV or watch a movie or something, you go to that room and do yeah. that there. And then otherwise it's not, come back to civilization. Right. It doesn't pollute the rest of the house. Yeah, know? that's cool. Yeah. You know, but then again, I would, you know, perhaps on second thought um, or I don't know, you know, the living room is beautiful because that's where our art is and furniture is and. You know, kind of makes much more of a visual impression. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's well, what you'd see. If you well, um, yeah, you, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the, maybe the Warriors are on and they're winning. Who knows? <laughs> I, I would have no idea. 
I heard, I heard last night that there was like, what's this thing called? The World Series? Yes. I had, I've never been less aware of uh, something than the World Series, whatever. The full stop every year or just this year? Well, I've never been all that interested, you know, but this year I've been absolutely, completely unaware. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, awesome having you. Thanks um, I'm so chuffed you came by and yeah, we'll, um, we'll let this live on the, the web sphere. Fantastic. <laughs> it's been Thanks, a pleasure, man. Jeff. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for having me. Totally. Thank you.